Well, last week I uh, started a series called I Had No Idea Until I Met Jesus. And uh, I'm going to be in the second part of that today. And I'll start with the same thing I started with last week. I was born in a pit. I was born in a pit. I don't mean a physical pit. I mean a spiritual pit in the sense that I was down in this place. I sort of woke up in this place, sort of came to life in this place where spiritually it was dark. Imagine being down in the bottom of a well and it's completely dark and it's muddy and it's smelly and it's confined and you're broken and you can't move and you're just down there and it's all you've ever known. I mean, it's one thing to have fallen in a well. It's another to have been born there and have no idea that there's an upside, that there's a, a top side where there's firm ground. And there's light to see, and there's beautiful things, and fresh air to breathe. And, you know, the truth is, all of us have been born in a spiritual pit. We've been born in a place without the good things of God. We've been born in the depths of this dark place where we, we don't know what light is because we've never seen it. We don't know what fresh air is because we've never breathed it. We don't know what a firm foundation is because we've never stood on one. We don't know what a, a purpose and meaning in life is because we've never had one. And I want you to know today that there are many wonderful things. The Bible says that your eye has never seen, your ear has never heard. It's never even entered into your mind the things that God has prepared for you. <clears throat> and if you don't know Jesus, you'll never know those things. You can be in a pit all of your life and never realize that you're in a spiritual pit unless Jesus lifts you out of it. So imagine you're down in the bottom of this spiritual pit and, and all you know is darkness and, and smell and mud and, and muck and mire and you're trying to make the best of it, but you just, it makes you miserable and you don't, you don't know what to do because this is all you've ever known in your life. Then all of a sudden up above you, a light comes on, something you've never seen and the light begins to illuminate the truth and you can look up at the light and see that you're in this well. You're, uh, you're stuck down in and above you is something better. And all of a sudden your mind begins to open up at the possibilities of what life could really be like. And then all of a sudden you hear a voice and it's the voice of Jesus. He's up above you and he's saying, do you want me to come save you? I want to come down there and I want to save you. And when you cry out to him, he crawls down into the well and, and, and he gets down into the muck and mire of your life and he reaches underneath you and he picks you up and he throws you on his shoulders and he begins to climb and take you out of the well. And as you uh, come out of the mouth of that well, you begin to see a world that you've never seen before. You begin to experience things that you've never experienced before. You take a breath of fresh air that you've never had before. And suddenly Jesus, he cleans you up and he stands you on solid ground. Something that you're, you've never felt before. You don't know what it's like to have a foundation in your life that's solid. You see, all of us were born in that pit. And without Jesus, we'll never get out of it. David said in Psalms 41 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Can I tell you something? I never knew how good it could be to know Jesus until he lifted me out of the pit. I never knew until he shined his light in my life. I never understood his love until he loved me. I never knew until I met Jesus. 
I wonder today if there are things in your life that you've just kind of settled on, areas of your life that you've just kind of settled on because you think that's all there is. And I came to tell somebody by the Spirit of God that the light is going to shine in your life and you're going to begin to see that there's something above you that's better and you can't get there with money and you can't get there with hard work. You can only get there by crying out to the Son of the living God and he will lift you up to a place you never dreamed possible before. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, last week we talked about how when Jesus picks you out of the pit, the first thing he does is set your feet upon a solid rock. He gives you a foundation to your life that nothing in the world can change. Money can come and go. Health can come and go. Families can come and go. Marriages can come and go. Uh, Things can come and go, but my faith in God is rock solid. I stand on that. That's why I have a firm foundation. David said he lifted me out of the pit. He set my feet upon a solid rock, and he made my footsteps firm. I want to talk about that today. David is saying not only did he give me a place to stand, but he gave my footsteps a solidness and a direction to my life. I don't know if you notice or not, but you're headed somewhere. Life doesn't sit still, and neither do you. You are headed somewhere. Unfortunately, a lot of people are headed in a direction that kind of just wanders wherever things go. You know what makes rivers crooked? They go through the path of least resistance. They just go the easy route. Whatever is the lowest place, they just flow to that. And if it gets low over here, they just flow to that. And, and you know, when you live a life like that, you end up just going wherever and all over. And, and life will take you wherever and you end up where you don't even want to be. David said, but God gave my footsteps a firm place to land. He didn't just leave me here. He gave me places to go. And each place I took a step in was a firm and right place to be. I came to tell somebody today, until you meet Jesus, you may have no idea what it's like to live with absolute purpose and in an absolute direction where you know who you are, you know why you are, and you know where you're headed. But when you meet Jesus, he will help you figure out who you are. He will help you figure out why you exist. And he will give your life direction, purpose, and meaning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He made my footsteps firm. See, a life without purpose and direction means you don't know why you're here. You don't have a clue why you exist and what the meaning of life is. You don't know why you're here. You don't even know where you're going. And you're unsure of every footstep you take, every decision you make. You don't know if you're doing the right thing by uh, going out with that girl and spending that money on that car and changing jobs and moving here. I watch people all the time. It seems like they're just guessing at what they should do. And a lot of people will move uh, because they feel like, well, life's not good here. So if I go live over here in this place, it'll be all better. The problem is it's not the place you stand that was the problem, right? It's, it's the fact that you're just maybe wandering through life and you have no direction, no aim. You don't know where you're headed. It's like being lost in the woods. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you should go. And worst of all, the ground beneath you is unstable. Every step you take could twist your ankle and cause problems in your life. When you live a life without direction and firm foundational footsteps, that's the kind of life you're living. So imagine that you're wandering through life and, and you're, you're just in the woods and you're just struggling and you're just taking any direction that you can go and, and you don't know where you're going really or why you're going there. You have no clue. You're just kind of wandering around hoping you'll stumble upon something. And one day, through a clearing, you come upon a path. Now, if you're lost in the woods and you come upon a path, that's a good thing, isn't it? 
Because a path means somebody's been here before. Somebody's been here through here enough that they have caused the, the grass not to grow anymore and the tree branches to be broke off. And you can tell that somebody's been here and they're probably headed somewhere where you might need to go. I want you to know today that the thing about having a firm foundation is life is that you need to follow someone who's already been where you need to go. Are you with me today? Matthew 16, 24, 25, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, <laughs> come on, come after me. If you wish to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and what? Follow me. For whoever wishes to lose his life or to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to live a life of purpose and direction, if you want to know who you are and where you're going, Jesus Christ is the only way. There are a lot of paths in the woods, but there's one path that takes you where you need to go. And it's the one that's been blazed by the son of the living God. It is Jesus Christ. And you're not going to get there unless you take up your cross and follow him. Oh, I'm so grateful that God not only saved me and set my feet upon a solid rock, but he gave my life purpose. He said, follow me. You see, when Jesus lifts you up out of the pit and he, he cleans you up and he heals your body, and sets your feet upon a rock, he doesn't then say, all right, all right, buddy, there, that's where you go. You go that direction and just go ahead and start walking and just go. That's the way you're supposed to go. Go ahead. There you go. Go on. Hey, watch out for the, you know, the, the dangerous places. Uh, watch out for that devil. He sneaks out at you, but have a good trip. I'll see you later. Jesus doesn't send you on your way. What Jesus does is he picks you up, sets your feet on a solid ground. He heals your body, and then he says, come on, come with me. Come on, let's go this direction, amen? And as we begin to follow Jesus, we understand some things about following Jesus that are powerful. One is that we're trying the best we can to mimic his life. You know what my goal in life is? Is to be more like Jesus. That's what I want to be. I want to pattern my life after Jesus. In fact, I want to be so much like Christ that people forget about me and they think about Jesus. And, and, you know, if you get to the end of my life and people look at my life and they think of the things I've done and I've accomplished and they forget about Christ, then I will have failed. But if they look at me and they see Jesus in me, then they can see that I had followed him. I had walked in his footsteps. He had been my life. He had been my direction. Amen. But it's more than just follow me. It isn't more than just, it's more than just uh, do the things I did and talk the way I did. Jesus is saying, I will get inside of you and I will live through you. Jesus says, I will get inside of you and I will live through you. Can I tell you, every time I get up here to bring his word, it's not really me. It's the spirit of the living God that lives inside of me. Every time I do something good out there in the world, it's not really me. It's the spirit of God that lives inside of me. As I make decisions about my life, it's not really me. It's Jesus inside of me. He is living my life for his purpose. Amen. I'm following him. God loves the world. He loves the world so much that he sent his only son. 
And I'm going to tell you why he sent Jesus into the world. Of course, we know Jesus came to die for our sins, and we understand that, but I want to give you another reason. You see, God loved you so much that he wanted to give you himself, his expression of who he is and his plan for the world in the Word of God. And the Word of God is your Bible. And everything you need to know is found inside of the Word of God. The problem is that a lot of people never pick up the Word of God, do they? And there are many people who pick up the Word of God and they don't understand what they're reading. In fact, if you understand everything about the Word of God, then I need to talk to you later because I got some questions for you. It's too big to fit in my little small brain and God reveals it to us as he wants to. But God's expression of his love for us and his life for us and his plan for us is in the word of God. But many people can't understand it in written form. Therefore, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to show you guys what the word really means because I'm going to live it out. If you live the Bible out absolutely to a T, your life will look exactly like Jesus. He is the exact fleshly representation of the word of God in action. He is God's letter to us. And as we look at the life of Jesus, the word begins to become real to us as we read it. Amen. We see his life in action in the words that we read. But there are many people today who will never pick up a Bible until they first see Jesus at work in your life. Come on. There was a time when it was Jesus and his body. The spirit wanted to move and through the world and bless the world. And, and, and so the spirit of God moved through the body of Jesus Christ. But then Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the father. And he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. And now we are the body of Christ. We are the vessels through which the Holy Spirit flows. Hallelujah. God wanted to write his word to the world, and he, it, he wrote it on the life of Jesus Christ, and he also wrote it on you. I love this scripture. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You yourselves are the letter we have written on our hearts for everyone to know and read. It is clear that Christ himself wrote this letter and sent it by us. It is written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Woo! And not on stone tablets, but on human hearts. Do you realize that you are a letter written by God to the world? You are a, an expression of the word of God to the people around you. They are watching your life and seeing Jesus lived out in you. Amen. Isn't that a powerful thing? You know what that means? That means my life has purpose and direction. When I woke up this morning, I didn't wonder who I am. And I didn't wonder what my purpose was. And I didn't wonder where I was headed. I trust in God Almighty. I am a living expression of God. Our lives imitate the life of Jesus. People look at us and they see glimpses of Jesus. Now, they don't see perfection. They see glimpses of Jesus, periods and, and points. And that's a good thing because, you know, people aren't perfect. And when they see Christians that aren't perfect or acting like they're perfect, come on then they realize that God could do the same thing in them, amen? And they're not as prone to think you're a hypocrite. There's a problem with the church right there. We've told the world, uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, I got a past, and God saved me from my past, and he did, but the truth is you got a present too, and he needs to save you from that too. Come on. Come on. I used to, but I don't know more. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, you still do from time to time. <laughs> or if you laid that down, you picked something else up because you're not perfect. 
And the world is looking at us and what they see is imperfect people that have a perfect God that sometimes comes out of us and just does amazing things and, and, and supplies our needs and heals our bodies and loves the world around us. And they see Jesus in us because you and I, the purpose of our life, the direction of our life is to be an expression of the love of God to the world. You want to know when I got saved, why God didn't just take me straight to heaven? Because he put me here to be an expression of his love, an expression of his plan, an expression of his power in the world. When people look at me, my life is designed to point them to Jesus. Hallelujah. I am a living expression of God's love, and so are you. Jesus loves you, and those are just words to a lot of people until they see it lived out in the way you live your life. And when they see you uh, representing Christ and you have love in your heart, they think of Jesus as a loving God. And can I tell you the truth? There are a lot of people today that represent Jesus falsely. They represent him as judgment or hate or bitterness or, or grouping off into different groups and hating that other group over there. They see Jesus as something that he's not because people aren't representing him the correct way. But Jesus said, if people want to know you're my disciples, it's because you judge one another. You condemn one another? You separate in groups and talk about each other? No, it's because you love one another, amen? You want to show people who Jesus is? It always starts with love. And when we have love in our life, we're showing them this is what Jesus is really about. Not just any kind of love, sacrificial love. This is what's so powerful. God commended his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it's easy to love somebody when we really like them and they're, they fit our personality and we just think they're so cool and, and they're good to us and they don't take from us. It's easy to love people like that. But, but what about that, that uncle or that brother-in-law or that neighbor you got that just drives you crazy? Sacrificial love loves him too. Come on. Sacrificial love loves your political opponent, right? Love somebody that doesn't treat you well and has hurt you in the past. Sacrificial love says, I don't just give to you when I've got extra. I will give when it hurts. I'll give of my time when I'm tired. I'll give of my money when I don't have a lot of money to give. Sacrificial love says, I'm willing to hurt because I want what's best for you. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something? If it don't hurt, it wasn't a sacrifice. Come on, think about that. If it didn't hurt, it came off the top of your overflow. When it hurts, it was a sacrifice. You see, Jesus loved us sacrificially. He was willing to give of himself. And when we love the world sacrificially, we are an expression of what Jesus' love is really all about. Hallelujah. We're an expression of his love. We're an expression of his plan. When people look at your life, they see what God can do in a human being. They begin to realize and see, wow, if he saved Larry, he can save me. If he called Beth, he can, he can call my, me. If, if he can put that person's life together, maybe he can put my life together. If he can deliver this person from drugs, he can deliver me from drugs. If he can help this person get their family and their life back in order, maybe he can help me get my life back in order. You're a living, walking testimony for the plan of God for everyone's life. See, God is not happy with people going around who are sick and broken and, and suffering and doing without and addicted and, and having all kinds of problems and, and, and suffering 
from the, the work of the devil. God's not happy with that. That's not his plan for the world. His plan for you is that he would save you and lift you out of the pit and he would heal your life and mend your broken heart and set you on firm ground and send you in a direction where you know who you are and why you're there. Hallelujah. You're a walking, living witness to the world around you. Can I, I tell you a little story? We, we had a minister's retreat one time, and a, one of our previous bishops was uh, in charge. It wasn't Brother Jane, but it was a previous bishop, and he was sharing from his heart like us preachers do. And we can talk all day long. If you listen to me and Joe, you know we can talk all day long. We can go from one sermon right into the next one and just keep going without skipping a beat. And he began to share and he began to talk and we were, what he said was good, it blessed us. But then after him, his wife got up to share and she just, she wasn't a public speaker. But she just began to cry as she poured her heart out. And the words weren't always right. And she had to sometimes gather herself. But she did more for us than that preacher did. Can I tell you something? Your life, your real life, lived out before the world around you is more powerful than a thousand sermons. You have a power that you don't realize. And your life can be an example to other people. Jesus said, be prepared at all times to give a reason for the hope that is within you, amen? And so when people look at you and they see that you go through problems like everyone else, you go through challenges like everyone else, there are times when you're up and times when you're down, but through it all, you've got a hope in you. You're holding on to something bigger than the world around you, and you don't give in. And they want to know what that hope is. They want to know, can I have a piece of what you've got there? Can I get a piece of what you've got? Because people learn very quickly. That a good life is not about problems not being there. A good life is about uh, not letting the problems tear you down and, and, and get the best of you. And when you have Jesus on your side, you can overcome anything. Come on. Your life is a living expression of the plan of God. You're telling the world God loves you. He's a God of love. He sees you. He has a, a, got a, a design and a plan for your life. Jesus came that he could save you and lift you out of the pit. They're looking at you and they're knowing that Jesus can heal you and mend your broken heart and put you back together again and set you in a direction that you've never had before. You are a living expression of his love. You are a living expression of his plan. And you are a living expression of his power. I want you to just get this today because I don't think we get the depths of this. I'm more and more getting the depths of what I'm about to tell you. We are a... We are vessels of the power of God here on planet earth. There are times when God can move in the world without using people. He can do that. He can speak and talk. He can send an angel. He can cause something to happen. He can do that when he wants. But can I tell you, most of the time, his oil or anointing or power flows through a vessel, and the vessel is you and me. We are vessels of the Holy Spirit. We are portals to the kingdom of God. You see, when, when Jesus said, pray this way, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this perfection, healing, absolute uh, obedience to the word of God, all of this beautiful stuff in heaven. Life is the way it's supposed to be up there. And it's not that way down here because of sin. And Jesus said, pray this, that what's up there comes down here. You know how it gets down here? It gets down here through the portals, 
right through the vessels. That's how the kingdom gets into the world. Because we prayed the kingdom came in. Because we loved the kingdom came in. Because we acted the kingdom came in. We are vessels of the power of God. Living expressions of God's power at work in the world. The Bible says of Jesus, he went about doing good, healing all manner of sickness and delivering those who've been oppressed of the devil. Jesus is not satisfied. He doesn't like to walk by people who are sick and leave them in that condition. He doesn't love to walk by people who are lost and leave them in that condition. He doesn't like to get the blinders on and ignore everyone else and say to himself, you know what? I'm good. I'm taken care of. You know, that's your problem. You just take care of yourself. No, everyone else's problem became his problem. And he took it on himself because he had the power of God at work in his life. Sometimes we say things like, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. The truth is, there's a lot of times there is something we can do about it. Sometimes we could get in the car and drive across town and do something about it. Come on. Sometimes we could go to the bank and get a little money out and do something about it. Sometimes we could pick up the phone and turn the television off and do something about it. Come on, television's got to where we got too many choices these days, right? That's a problem for us too. It's like there's so many channels we spend all evening flipping to them trying to find something to watch. Come on. Come on. Sometimes I wish for the days when there was only three channels. You remember that? You want to watch that? No. Want to watch that? No. Want to watch that? No. Turn it back to the first one. That's it. You're done. It's either either watch Matlock or turn the TV off. Now you go through 20 channels and then it's bedtime. You have 100 channels per second. It's like it's amazing. We have way too many choices in our life. God wants to use us, but we've got to be willing to turn the TV off. We've got to be willing to take some time to actually think about other people enough and love them enough to think that they're worth our, our evening. That they're worth some of our money. They're worth some of our time. That their lives matter. And let me tell you something. It begins in your home. Come on. A lot of people, you got family members that are uh, struggling and messed up. You got family members that are making bad choices. And a lot of time, here's the truth. We'll help a stranger because we don't know their story. We won't help our family because we know all the bad choices they made. You know, there's a, a saying familiarity breeds contempt what that means is once i get to know you and know how you've made mistakes i begin to back away from you can i tell you something you've been praying that god would get you away from some folks but god puts you there because they need you you're a portal to his power you're supposed to be praying for them and helping them and interceding for them And you say, Pastor, I just don't have the patience anymore. What is a good thing? You're filled with the Spirit of God, and the fruit of the Spirit is patience. (laughs) Yes. And God will renew your patience every day. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am an expression of his power. The Holy Spirit, the living God, who knows everything, has all power, lives inside of this body. And there are times when he comes out of me. I'm called to heal the sick, mend the brokenhearted, bring peace to difficult situations. I'm called to destroy the works of the devil. I'm called to shine light in dark places. I'm not supposed to run from trouble. I'm supposed to be in the middle of it because I'm the solution. I am the portal to God's power and so are you. There's a purpose to your life. Oh, Do you know what this means? This means you can wake up every morning and know who you are. You can know I am a child of God. 
I am God's child. Doesn't matter what my past looks like. Doesn't matter what the, the sheriff's department thinks I am or what my neighbors think I am or people who knew me back in the day. I am who God says I am. I'm not defined by the things that I have done. I'm defined by what God says about my life. I'm his child. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The thing about being a child of somebody is that their character lives inside of you. I've got character from my parents, my physical earthly parents. Yes, I have my dad's forehead. Hallelujah. I didn't plan it that way. Harold, I just, when I was younger, I pulled my hair back and I had it in a ponytail back here, if you can imagine that. And then when I got older and tired of messing with the ponytail, I cut it off and this was what was left. I just looked in the mirror and like, man, I look like my dad now. There are characteristics of my mom that live in me. There are characteristics of my grandparents that live in me. When you are the descendant of somebody, part of who they are is inside of you. I'm a child of God. Can I tell you something? I'm more connected to my heavenly father than I am my earthly father. There is more of him in me than my physical parents. Amen? More aspects of who he is inside of me because he said that's the way it is. I know who I am. You can wake up and know who you are. You can wake up and know why you're here. Come on. Why are you here? It ain't about money. Can I tell you something? You're going to go to work tomorrow because you need the money. But that's not the only reason that you're going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to go to work tomorrow because there's going to be a bunch of people there that need you to be an expression of God's love, his plan, and his power. Come on. You're going to, you're going to start a family. Hey, man, you know, when I married Kathy, I not only had my family, I gained her family. And it's a big family. <laughs> and you know what I've been doing for the last 35 years with her family? Is getting to know them and learning to love on them. And, and doing their weddings and, and preaching their funerals and helping them through their difficult times. And I am so honored and so glad to do that. I'm an expression of God's love in my family and in her family. Amen. And that's okay. You don't have to call me every day. If you call me just when you need help, I'm going to be there if I can as an expression of God's love. That's why I'm here. I found, Sister Beth, that it gets ridiculous. The Holy Spirit checks me when I say, you know what, I don't have time for that. And the Holy Spirit's like, that's why I put you here, dummy. Well, I don't want to get into that. That's why I put you here, dummy. Well, boy, that's going to be a mess. I'd rather just not deal with that. That's why I put you here, dummy. So you can help people who are in need. You're not helpless. Hallelujah. When it doesn't take money, when it doesn't take a conversation, when the, when the situation is so bad that there is no earthly thing you can do, I can still pray. And can I tell you, when I pray, God answers my prayer. Are you with me today? There are times when I literally feel the kingdom of God come through my prayers. Yes. I prayed for some of you this past couple of weeks, and I'm just, I've been expecting you to be on cloud nine because I prayed. And you know what? This coming week, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe God that God's going to do miraculous things in your life. That's why I'm here. You can wake up knowing who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. Come on. Now, here's the thing about God. He doesn't tell you everything that you're going to experience and every step you're going to take, does he? He says this, follow me. Once again, he doesn't say, there's your destination. Here's the path to get there. He just says, follow me. And, and when we're young in the Lord, we start saying, where are you going, Lord? Where are you going? And he's just like, follow me. But where are we going? Because, you know, I want to know where we're going. And he's just like, follow me. Follow me. Because 
We, we have to learn to relate to God like little children, he said. You know, you got to have that childlike faith. You know, when you were a child and your dad said, get in the car, you might have asked where we're going. He might have answered you. But if he said, just get in the car, you just get in the car. You didn't need to be secure because you knew where you were going. You were secure because you knew who was taking you there. Come on. And as you learn to walk in the Lord and, and take your, your life's direction and the decisions you make every day of your life, you learn it's not because God has told you everything. It's that God is with you. Hallelujah. And even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not going to be afraid because he's with you. Amen. My God is with me everywhere that I go. So when I wake up today, I may not know everything that's going to happen, but I know the God who's with me. Hallelujah. And I know he's not going to let things happen to me that shouldn't happen to me. You can wake up every morning with this assurance in your life. It is a direction and purpose that has a firm foundation, not just where you are, but where you're headed. Amen. Can I tell you the only thing better than God's today is God's tomorrow. Ooh, God's got a good plan for your life. And it's, listen, it's better than money. It's better than perfect health. It's better than uh, uh, moving up the chain on your corporate uh, career. It's better than having the, the perfect wife or the perfect husband. There's no such a thing. Hallelujah. That's right, sister. Do you understand the stability and joy that comes from having direction that is firm, knowing who you are and where you're going? This is what it does for you. For one, it keeps you focused. You see, when you know who you are and where you're headed, that will help you recognize distractions. Because like I said before, there are times when if you act like a river, the path of least resistance will take you off track. And you'll just do the easy thing or maybe the thing your flesh wants to do. But if you know who you are and where you're headed, you'll recognize that and you'll realize, okay, I'm, I, it'd be easy to go here, but that's not where I should go because I know who I am, I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm headed. So my choice is to not do that but to climb this difficult mountain in front of me and go the direction that I need to go. Come on. It helps you stay focused and know when you're getting distracted by things. If somebody came to me today and offered me a big old pile of money to take a job doing something besides what God has me doing, I would have to say no because there are more important things than money. I got my eyes focused on what God has spoken into my life and into my heart, and I am not going to be moved. I don't quit. I finish. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. When you have this kind of assurance and stability, it keeps you focused and it informs every decision that you make. You can begin to decide things based upon what your purpose in life is. That's good because so many people just, they don't know. Pray with me about what I should do. Now, there are times when even as a child of God, you, you're seeking wisdom for the right choice to make. And that's a good thing. And God will direct you. That's what God does. And the thing about God's guidance is a lot of times you don't understand it until you look back upon it. And you can see where he was leading you. And uh, that's because he wants you to once again trust him and talk to him and treat him like you're a child and not like you're an adult who needs to approve of where he's taking you. Come on. It informs your decisions. You can begin to decide things like where I work and what I do and how I spend my time and how I spend my money. 
There are, there, you know what we do on Saturdays, Kathy and I? Most of the time we go out and the, we sleep late and then we go out and we hang out together doing whatever we want. We get home about three or four and then we begin to relax. You know why? Because we need to be here in the morning on Sunday morning and be the best that we can be. We don't go out partying, staying out late at night. We don't stay up and, and do crazy things on Saturday night because my purpose says I need to be 100 right here. We sacrifice our Saturday so we be ready on Sunday. Amen. It informs my uh, purpose in Christ informs how I spend my Saturdays and the decisions I make about my life. It informs my finances, what I'm going to spend my money on and where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. When I know who I am and what I'm here for and where I'm headed, it helps me decide how to live my life. That is so much better than just wandering through life lost, making decisions and hoping they all turn out okay. When you have this kind of stability, it not only helps you stay focused and informs every decision, but it helps you endure through the hard times. Oh, you got to get this. When you have a purpose and you know God is in control of your life, the hard times will not stop you. 2011, Kathy got sick. Most of you know the story, but I'll tell it to you again. She had a cough from visiting somebody, had smoke in their house. and um, She coughed and coughed. It happened for two weeks to the point where she was in just pain from convulsing, coughing. She ended up going to the doctor. He sent her to the hospital because there were some problems with her blood and, and stuff. And she was in there for a while, and they gave her every kind of antibiotic and medication known to mankind. And she got to feeling better, and she went home. And then her hands began to hurt really, really bad, and the pain started to come back. So she went to a, a rheumatologist, and they said she had uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. But then later, later, as time went by, other things began to show up too, and then they diagnosed her with what's called scleroderma, which is a, another autoimmune disease that's kind of like um, rheumatoid arthritis. It's where your uh, immune system attacks its own body. And uh, they told us that day that she would have five years to live. And you hear about other people facing these kind of things, but it's surreal when it happens to you. It's like you're watching it on TV or something. How could this be? And here I am. I'm torn between falling apart and trying to be the leader of my home, which I always feel like it's my job to be strong. I want people to look at me in my family and realize that if I'm not freaking out, they don't have to either. And if I have faith, they can have faith too. That's my job as a leader of the home. and So we sat in the car, the doctor's office, and we just hugged each other, and we began to pray, and we began to cry. And, you know, I thought about this this week. I don't think we ever ask God why. It's okay to ask God why. And I don't know what Kathy's private conversations with God are like, but we've always talked about the struggle she's been through, it's never really been about why. And I thought about why that is. And I think it has a lot to do with our purpose because we know who we are and we know why we're here. And when you know your purpose, the pain doesn't matter. In fact, the pain can become a part of your purpose. I'm not here to tell you that God made Kathy sick. I'm here to tell you that God's going to make Kathy completely whole. 
That was 2011. She's supposed to be gone in 2016. I was supposed to have a funeral. Here it is, 2019, and she is the most wonderful, absolute blessed person on the planet. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not here to tell you that God made her sick. I'm here to tell you that he's used her pain for his purpose. Let me tell you some of the things that came out of Kathy's illness. For one, it helped us learn to live today. We stopped saying someday and we started deciding we was going to do some things now because life is like a vapor. It appears for a while and then it vanishes away. And none of us knows when our last day is. And we better start doing some things now. We better start saying some things now. We better start enjoying the day now. There were times in the past that I would wake up worried about what we don't have and what I need to get done. Can I tell you, I like to wake up today and just enjoy the blue sky. Have you looked at the sky lately? It's so beautiful. Have you seen the grass, trees? It's so amazing. God is just... God is amazing, and sometimes I just enjoy being alive, and I just have to thank God for one more day to be alive here on planet Earth and be around the people I love and and know who I am and, and know what my life is like. And I'm not telling you everything is wonderful with us. I'm not telling you we got everything figured out and God has taken away every problem. I'm telling you that in spite of it all, I have an appreciation because that pain pushed us to that place. It helped us. Not only did it help us with that, but it's helped us help other people. Come on, sometimes God will let you go through things so that you can show other people how to go through things. Are you hearing me? Uh Uh-huh. Because Kathy could have very well decided, well, God, I'm mad at you. Why didn't you fix this? And and my life is nothing unless you fix this. And you said this and you said that. She could have turned away from God. There's people now who are in church right now because God didn't do what they wanted him to do when they wanted him to do it, and they're mad at God. But Kathy is one of those people who said it doesn't matter what happens to me or what happens in me. I am going to serve him. I'm going to trust him. If he heals me today, if he heals me tomorrow, come on. Do you understand what I'm saying is that when you know who you are in Christ, you can push past the hard times because the goal is not healing. The goal is pleasing Jesus. And you can please Jesus whether you're sick or whether you're healthy. Come on. And can I promise you something? Some of us are better when we're broken. Sometimes the best thing I preach is when I'm sick. Because God calms me down and I move slower and I'm not so inclined to, to scream your hair off, right? And, and like I feel like God does better with me when I'm broken and when I'm a little bit not perfect. I remember a friend of mine who was in the Air Force and he told me when they were at the boot camp, they were, they would, uh, they were teaching them how to shoot and how to properly uh, squeeze on the trigger. And if they would do it wrong, they'd injure your finger so that you couldn't jerk the trigger, you, the pain caused you to do it the right way. Come on. And for some of us, God is going to allow us to go through some things so we can show other people how to go through some things. Amen? Because people are going to get sick and they need an example. They need to look at us and see a living expression of Jesus. This is how you do it when things aren't perfect. Hallelujah. 
It has allowed us to endure through the hard times. Kathy's sickness has caused us to say this. You know what? It doesn't matter if we've got 10 years or 5 years or 20 years or 1 year or 6 months. Whatever it may be, we live with the purpose God has given us. As long as he's got us here, we're going to do what he called us to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, it keeps you focused. It informs your decision. It helps you through the hard times and it gives you joy. It gives you joy because you know there's something there. The world can't give it to you and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. 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 There are going to be times in your life when you're not always happy, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, when I start thinking about what I don't have, that's when unhappiness starts to happen. But when I start thinking about what I do have, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm blessed. Amen. And, and it's not because life is perfect or I got all kinds of money or we never have any problems or sicknesses or anything like that. We've got difficulties like everyone does. There's stuff that we go through we don't even tell you about. We just trust the Lord for. And you know what? I'm blessed anyway because I'm not going to focus on the things I don't have. I'm going to focus on the things I do have. You know, the difference is this over here gives me joy. Because in this circle of what I do have is Jesus Christ. And nothing can take that away from me. No matter what happens to me, I have my feet on a firm foundation. I know who I am. I know where I'm headed and I know who's taking me where I need to go. Jesus walked into my life and he said, come on, follow me, Marlon. He shined the light in my pit and he showed me what could be. Before that moment, Harold, I had no idea. I've heard them sing the songs about joy and deliverance and, and God's purpose and plan, but you will never know the way. You will never know the joy. You will never know what it means until you meet Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for your promise and for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you this morning for being the God who loves us. Thank you for sending your son that he would give his life and make a way, the way, the only way, the only path that leads us to our purpose in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough to get down into the pit where we are, to get inside the muck and mire of our lives and lift us up out of there. And help us, clean us up and heal our bodies and deliver us. Set our feet upon a life foundation that is firm and absolute. And thank you, Jesus, for establishing our footsteps and sending us forward in you with purpose and power. We are living expressions of God's love, his plan, and his power in this world. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for that. And God, I pray this morning for those people today who are still in the pit, who don't know you, Jesus. And maybe by the words that I've said today, the Holy Spirit has used that to shine the light above you. And I just want to challenge you right now. The thing you're feeling in your heart, the pull you're feeling is the Holy Spirit. And He wants to show you two things. He wants to show you one, you're in a pit. And two, you don't belong there. Then Jesus wants to lift you out of it. Your life was not meant to be lived that way. 
Your life was not meant to be lived on sinking sand, lost in a wilderness, wandering around from place to place, hoping for some semblance of happiness. Your life is supposed to be foundational and firm. You're supposed to know who you are and why you're here. You're supposed to follow and walk with Jesus. And so I want to challenge you today, if you're listening to me today, and and maybe things aren't right in your heart, and you feel like, man, I'm in this pit, and, and I sense God is pulling me out. Just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, come down into my life and save me. He's not asking you to help him. In fact, the more you try to help him, the harder you make it for him. Just relax and let him save you. Believe. Believe that there's a God and that God's son is Jesus. And that he came to earth to live a perfect life for you and to die on the cross for you. Believe that today. That's a choice, a matter of faith that you can decide, I believe that today. And as you believe that, the next thing is to turn away from uh, living for yourself and begin living to Jesus. Repentance is, I'm not doing it my way anymore. I'm turning to Christ today. And when you turn away from yourself, you're going to end up turning away from a lot of the bad things and bad mindsets that you have once uh, embraced. And you're going to turn to Christ in newness of life. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means that your heart is focused and faced towards Christ. And then you begin to accept and confess what Christ has done in your life. There are no closet Christians. Christians are people who live out loud. Doesn't mean we're obnoxious everywhere we go. It just means that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the God who saved us. And we're not ashamed to say it. And when we believe and we turn away and we confess Jesus, the Bible says we are then saved. He's lifted us up out of the pit. He's brought our spirits to life. He's given us new hope in him, in Christ. That can be you today. That's the promise of the word of God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for everyone who's made that decision today in their life. I just pray for them, God, wherever they may be, Lord, that you'd begin to minister to their heart a spirit of confirmation. You said, Lord Jesus, that that you would lavish love upon us, God, that you wouldn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love. And power and a sound mind. And I pray that that spirit would live in us and give us the assurance that we are the children of God. That because of what we have believed today in Christ, we have been lifted out of the pit. Our spirits are brought to life. We begin to live with a sense of firmness and sureness, knowing who we are and why we exist. God, just unfold your love and your plan and your power into their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you for it and I praise you for it, God, in the name of Christ.